breakfast. Donuts. Guess we're having lunch. Donuts. Guess we're having <laughs> donuts. He was like, <gasps> come home quick, mama. There's Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And then there's come home quick, Kelly. So. This will be today, if Jesus tarries, uh, part five in our series on our personal walk with God, our walk with God. And um, in Mark 11, 24, a very known scripture and a mistaught scripture and a very frustrating scripture. Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire... When you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. It's taught in hyper-charismatic circles that this is carte blanche, that God has to. They teach he, he has to. He loses, he forfeits his sovereignty because he's committed to honor our application of this scripture. And this is a fine line, and I hope by the end of the service you see that I'm not changing or modifying any of God's word, but we must learn his word and apply his word blended with the other scriptures in the Bible as well. They don't stand on their own. So whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. First John 5, verse 14 And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we've desired of him. So with those two verses and our faith, how do we ever experience unanswered prayer? This has been hard for me over the years. My problem is not that I did not have faith. My problem is that I do. I know that he is seated at the right hand of the Father on high. And I know when I use his name that heaven hears. It's heaven that invited me to pray. It's God that swore to answer. So when you walk with God, you will need to understand how to navigate prayer And it being seemingly unanswered. Now before you're seated, I want to tell you this. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. It's either yes, no, or not now. It's always answered. So how you process these words and your experience And still be a worshiper that trusts. That's what I want to talk to you about. Navigating what we call unanswered prayer. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I just humble myself before you this morning. I'm just grateful for another day. Another opportunity to preach your word. I I stagger at the idea that people like me get to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. It's just a scandal. But I'm humbled by it. And the greatest honor of my life, Lord, is that you have called me for an opportunity to, like this, and to be a preacher of your word. So use me this morning. Anoint me with your spirit. Without that anointing, there's no gain. There's no benefit. We're just uh, 
sharing biblical history and man's ideas. But if you anoint it, it will become rhema, living word. Not just word, living word. And it'll be knit to the fabric of our soul and bring fruit for Jesus Christ. And I thank you in advance for that being done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If I'm completely honest with you in my Christian life, maybe you find that you have certain things that are easier or a strength, if you will. Some people say it's easy for them to pray. It's harder to study. Uh, it's harder to do ministry. Uh, uh, prayer's always been the hard one for me. That's embarrassing to say as a pastor. It's not that I don't love communing with the Lord. It's this. My my mind is wired line upon line, precept upon precept. A plus B equals C, C minus B equals A. And when it works like that, I'm good. I, I'll stand out there and, you know, charge hell with a water, water pistol with gasoline drawers on. I'm ready to go. I, you know, I, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not intimidated. I feel like when I have his word, I'm strong. The righteous are as bold as a lion. I'm clothed in what Christ has done. You're not going to talk me out of it. But when I... When I have verses like this, this has been my Achilles heel uh, because I thought if, if I quoted back to you what you said, then especially with all the TV preachers telling me that I hold the keys, I, I, eliminating thus the sovereignty of God and God's uh, control over things. So Lord, is it whatsoever things I desire when I pray, believe I receive them and I might have them? So, with that being said, two points, a lot of subpoints this morning. Number one, dealing with navigating what we call an answered prayer, you should have an expectation to be answered every time. That's not wrong. Faith, faith expects. Because of your relationship to God in and through Christ. When the disciples saw Jesus pray, they were so enamored because he didn't speak like other men spoke in public. He had an authority they didn't have. And when he talked to the, to God almighty, uh, the ancient of days, when he talked, when, when Jesus talked, it was different than they heard the rabbis pray and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this, our father, when you pray, pray in relationship don't pray in faith first. Pray in relationship. You don't like that? Take it up with Jesus. He said, this is how you pray. Understand your position in Christ and the adoption of you into the, kingdom, the family of God, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. You should expect to be answered because you are in Christ. You are in Christ, so you have the eye of God, you have the ear of God, and you have the promises of God. You should expect to be answered because he has invited us to ask in his name. John 16, 24, Jesus said, Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, but ask, and you shall receive that your joy might be full. Now, especially for new believers, and you'll see, hear me refer a lot to contemporary teaching and preaching, and I'm not... I'm not trying to be critical. There's just so uh, 
much error and so much uh, self-centeredness and man-centeredness. Uh, and one of the teachings, you know, just ask anything that's named, which what they're saying is just put Jesus on the end of your prayer. And I ask you all these things in Jesus' name. That's not praying in his name. That's using his name. Praying in his name means for his sake, for his glory, in his will. If you shall ask anything in my name, not tag my name on it, and God, the Father, sees my name and says, oh, I've got to do it. You've got me in an arm bar, an arm lock, because you used the name. That's not what praying in the name is. But when I pray in the name of Jesus, I know that that is the key. That's the access. We have uh, access now through the torn body of Jesus Christ into the Holy of Holies, and we can make our petitions known to God. We should have an expectation to be answered because of who it is we are petitioning. The all-sufficient one, the all-knowing one, the all-powerful one, and the faithful one. I, I wouldn't waste my time praying to a priest or a pastor or a dead saint. I don't care how many beads you rub. I don't care how many candles you light. They can't help you, but God Almighty. When I pray, I go straight to the king and say, can I help you? Yes, I come in his name and for his sake and for his glory. And you ought to recognize me because I am in him. I go straight to God. I don't need a priest in this world. He's my high priest. High priest. Why well, I want a low priest or a priest like me. No, thank you. Who it is we are petitioning. We're not going to someone fickle or double-minded. He's like, oh yeah, you talked to me last week. I forgot about that. This is God who was before everything. Sometimes our prayer life is diminished because we don't see him clearly. When we say he's powerful, it's a small powerful when we say all-knowing, it's not all-knowing. Powerful. The Bible says that God created everything out of nothing. All the things that appear were made out of things that do not appear. So God stepped out on nothing and made everything by the word of his mouth. Scientists tell us that if every human being on the face of the earth had 150,000 stars each, that it wouldn't make up the stars in our galaxy and there are millions of galaxies. And God steps out on nothing and says, lights? And the angels say, get out of here. Did you see this? When I go before the Lord, I know that, you know, when you say, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a rhetorical joke. It's not just, you know you didn't get the scripture when you answer back, no, ain't nothing too hard. You're supposed to answer back, are you kidding me? God Almighty? Who doesn't need variables? He doesn't have to have the ingredients of a cake to make the cake. He just says cake, and it is. Things that are not appear. So when I go before the Lord, I don't have to set him up. You know, some of us pray like we teach our little kid to play T-ball, and we put the T up, and we put the ball on it, and we position him. We go, here you go, Lord, I done made all the phone calls, and I done sent two letters, and I called Ernie, who knew Fred, who knows that person at the job. And if you can just get me an interview, all you got to do is hit it. Here you go, Lord. Here you go. Okay. All God's got doing, you know, God's really, okay. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Look what the Lord did. No, you did it. 
He don't need your help. I ain't got to help him. Now, if he asked me to participate, that's one thing. But he don't need my help. It's like Elisha putting on the tool belt that Brother Sego gave him, all plastic tools, and some of them make noise. And he's going to help. First of all, his daddy can't put nothing together. But he's going to help me. And he comes in. Say, Daddy, can I help? For a figuratively speaking, yes. But really, no. Just understand this. If your prayer emphasizes what you do, you are lopsided. I don't have no faith in my faith. I believe my faith is in him. <laughs> my faith is in him to compensate, to fill in the gaps. And when I go before him, you know why it wasn't hard for me to believe for us to have babies and I'm sterile? I remember when, when that news hit me, I went to the doctor and, you know, they did the test. And I'm not trying to be crass. I mean, we're, we're adults that in, in one sample, uh, of a man's seed, he's supposed to have, what is it, several hundred thousand little swimmers or whatever, you know, several. He said, you don't got none. I said, I got some. That's what I told him. I said, I got some. He said, no, you ain't got any. So to believe for a family would have been impossible, except that I understand, watch this. When he started with Adam, when he started with Adam and Eve, he made a mud man. So he scooped up some clay with his hands. Didn't have to. He could have spoken him into existence. Formed him personally. So here's this, like a Play-Doh man. Do y'all think like this, or am I the only one? I mean, it's what it is. So you got this guy dug up out the creek bed, and he says, oh, what's this? He breathed in him. <laughs> and he became a living soul. And with that breath, he put regenerative seed in that man that would create another man. So you say, you're sterile. Ain't got nothing to do with it. If he wants me to have a baby, we're going to have a baby. Whether it's adoption or through the womb. I had someone come up to me the other day. I hadn't seen in years. They said, have you got that little brother yet? I said, no, he said, it's going to be biological. I'm like, do you know how old I am? That was my first thought. I said, hey, hey. <laughs> my girls, every now and then would do this. I'm exactly 50 years older than them. They said, daddy, when I was two, I said, 52. We do this all the time. Daddy, when I was four, 54. Daddy, when I'm 50, I said, I'd be dead. That's what I, uh, what you <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean when you're 50? I'll be, I'll be at your graduation with the walker with the tennis balls on it, you know. What? Kelly, come in. <laughs> she's going to take care of me. But those of you that remember Jimmy, I told him, I said, don't think she's going to get me in the old years. I'm coming to live with you. I'll see Kelly on the weekend. You're taking care of daddy. Uh, <laughs> but when you go before him, I think all of us, to some degree, ought to expand our idea of who it is we're praying to. This is God Almighty. What is a closed womb to him or a seedless man? You think your employer, oh, my employer, he, he is nothing but a channel. God owns it all. I had someone not too long ago, uh, 
wasn't too very long ago. It was just a, a small thing. And uh, I just expected something to come through this channel and it didn't, you know. You know how life just has little disappointments. Nothing big. And the Lord spoke to me and said, every river don't have to flow into your stream. That's what I felt in my heart. I said, every river, John. You, you, John, here you are. I remember when John Beachy shared this with me. It was a day vision the Lord gave him uh, back. Uh, and I won't tell all his business, but this is a spiritual reality. He said they were around a, you know, like an old whiskey barrel, but it was full of apples. And they were counting apples and distributing apples. And he said, all of a sudden, the Lord let him pan out. And he saw that they were in the middle of an apple orchard. Word about the apples in the barrel. I want to tell you that you need to remember who it is you are petitioning. He don't have to have variables. He don't have to have ingredients. He doesn't have to have help. He does not need momentum. He's not intimidated by the odds. He's God Almighty. And when, you, when you go before him, come like a child. My daddy can do anything. Oh, you don't believe that? Buddy, I've built my life on that. I've been buried and they count me out and I just keep coming back because you're strong and, and you have integrity. No, no, because I am upheld by the hand of God. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's the one. Some of y'all, some of y'all need new friends because they, they say, yeah, my uncle had that and he died. You just need to quit and stop asking, you know. I remember when my father was battling cancer and he went in and out of, he went into a coma and he come back out. He told my mom, he said, tell these people I can hear them. <laughs> they come in, they say, ooh, Roger looks bad. You know, it's over. Be careful that your assessment, however accurate of your situation, be careful that your assessment, no matter how accurate, uh, about the situation is that you don't forget that you have incomplete knowledge. <laughs> God has things he's doing that you, you know, I've, I've told this so many times now, but in case there's a visitor here, you know, I was, I was born a, a waterhead child. I wasn't supposed to live. He says a 0% chance that your son will live. And I had a mom and daddy that just prayed. They stood before the Lord. My dad locked himself in the basement of a church for three days. He said at the end of it, okay, here's the deal. You take him home, you're still my God. But if he lives, I'm just asking you to heal him because you, God, you do anything. You can just do anything. And he said, go, in his, you know, not audibly, just go pick him up. He's well. They told my parents that if I lived, I wouldn't have the mentality of a three-year-old. Now, I'm not brilliant, but I got it all over a three-year-old. I'm, I'm, are you smarter than a three-year-old? Yes. A third grader? No. But a three-year-old? Yeah. Because of his promises to provide, protect, and preserve you, you should have an expectation to be answered. Stop using the word unanswered prayer because it's not in the Bible. That ought to hit like a hammer. Yes, no, or not now, which comes disguised as silence. And you go, there you go. Your kids ever keep saying stuff over and over and over and you go, I heard you. Well, you haven't answered me because there's not an answer right now for you. And you're on my nerves. <laughs> All right, number two. This is important. 
there should be an understanding that it is God, that it is God that determines the answer. Period. No, God does not have to answer when you pray, how you pray, but he answers prayer. It sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. You leave the answer to him. You leave the timing to him. Unless, of course, you think you know more than him and you are better than him. If God is good and God is perfect, why would we not leave the results to him? Can I go ahead and pull the drape on the wizard here? Because he might not do what I want. Anybody else? Y'all look so sanctified and upright. And nobody else. Anybody else experience this? Okay. It has been said that the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on the earth. Let's deal with answered prayer real quick. Many times, many times God says yes. And very few things thrill our soul, bolster our faith, and fill our mouths with praise as much as when God unmistakably answers our prayer. Miraculous answers. I just want some witness here. I know y'all are primarily quiet, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, uh, you know, but can you, I just want some witnesses here for those of you who had miraculous answers. Not a hand, like a, hey! Yeah, okay, thank you. I said, a witness. All right. Divine answers. Powerful answers. Unpredictable and unforeseen answers. Last minute answers. Answers to prayer that you didn't even pray. And suddenlies. Many times God says yes. Call on me and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. God answers prayer. But this morning's topic is uh, making me focus on what we call the unanswered side. Sometimes God does not answer at all. Not now. You know what the silence is between prayer and the silence to me in, in the earthly realm? When parents say, we'll see. Did any of y'all's parents ever say, we'll see? You know what that means? Leave me alone. That's what it means. And the kids are like, what do you mean we'll see? We'll see! You'll see it when I decide it. Well, what gives you the right to determine what time that this request would be known? Because I'm your child and you said you love me more than anything in the world. And you're like, I'm coming, good, great. <laughs> young people go home and go, what was he doing with his bell? What does that mean? <laughs> we'll see. Now, I say this reverently, but this is as close See, I try to give you natural illustrations that open up spiritualities. Father, I'm just, I'm asking you about these things. We'll see. Yeah, but that ain't really what I was hoping you'd say right there. I, I was, I, I've let my petition be made known to you. And you said, whatever things I desire, when I pray, believe I receive them and, and I shall have them. And, you know, that man on TV said, you are bound by your word. And I know you're a man of your, we'll see. Mm. The uncomfortableness comes and who has the final say? And if he's Lord, you just understand that we'll see is, we'll see. Now, this is not a play on words. When God gives you a we'll see, you will see. 
You hear me? We'll see. Oh, that's not a no, that's a promise. David said, I almost fainted. I was just about to go in, but I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I didn't see it till I saw it. And if you're in a holding pattern and your plane's just going round and round and God hasn't answered and he said, we'll see, tell yourself, you got that right. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see the faithfulness of the Lord. I will behold his glory in this world with my eyes. Jesus told Mary and Martha with their dead brother Lazarus and they sent a request to Jesus. The one that thou lovest is sick and Jesus tarried three more days and Lazarus died. And when Jesus came to town, they said, had you just come when we asked? Had you just come during the we'll see period? Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Get out of my way. Move that stone away. And stepped in past due. The window, my window's closing. God, don't do windows. Stop, stop that. Ask Abraham. (laughs) He's dead already. He's decomposing. He's thinking. Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Lazarus, get up. What did that look like in the lower parts of the earth? If there's a video in store in heaven, I want this one. I got to rent this one. I just want to see. Here's this guy in spirit form In the lower parts of the earth, because Jesus had not died yet and took captivity captive. What if he's just talking to someone, you know, and so y'all sent message to Jesus. Yeah, and he didn't come. You know, I thought I'd prayed. I thought they'd pray. I prayed, prayed to God. And all of a sudden, Lazarus, come forth. Where are you going? I don't know. Lazarus didn't know how to go. (laughs) You know, I'm going back the way I came. So, you know, no. No. What happened? I got to go. And he just was transported back. Do you see how mind-boggling this thing is? When he speaks the answer, it happens. You ain't got to know all the variables. You don't have to know. Some, some of us want to know all the details. When, when grandma cooks at Thanksgiving or little nanny cooks, I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to know where'd you get the turkey? Where'd you, where'd you buy the, mm, just where's my seat? Where do I sit down? An example of this is like when you know you're praying in his will. You feel the witness of his spirit. You sense his pleasure and nothing happens. This delay is not denial, but it is a primary instrument that God uses in shaping you and revealing himself. Delay shapes you and reveals God. It transforms you. Imagine a a, a door plane. You know what a door plane is where you run across the top of the door and the little curly cues come up. Every time you see a curly cue, that's less wood on the door. So if a door won't shut at the top and you plane it, Every time you see a curly cue, it goes, less wood, less wood, less wood. That's what delay is. Less you, less you, less you, less you till the doors work. Delay transforms you. And it reveals who God is. This delay 
in my experience and according to scripture, is often to prove you, to prune you, to purify you, to prepare you and to protect you. Real quickly, to prove you, to prove if you have the stay in power, to prove your faith. My faith isn't contingent upon you hopping when I pray. My faith is based on the word of God and your character. It's to prune you back. We all know this in the natural realm, but we don't apply it in the spiritual realm. And daddy has to be careful because I see little, smell little spoils coming up in my babies. If daddy answers yes every time, you have rotten children. So now I'm having to do some adjustments. Daddy, no. But father, you don't even know. I don't need to know. You're good. If you don't eat today, you're good. Seriously, you don't need nothing. Air. You need air. That's all you need. To prune you back. To purify you. No is therapeutic to the believer. Or not now. Because that plane running across you, that curly cue is your control. Less control. Less control. Less control. Sometimes God answers no because of an insufficiency on our part. Sometimes God answers no because we're living in sin. We have unconfessed sin in our life. If you regard iniquity in your heart, God does not hear your prayer. Period. Well, he hears my prayer. No, he doesn't. I feel closer to the Lord. Shacked up. I feel closer to the Lord today than I've ever felt. That's a, that's a field lie. I just, I'm having the best quiet time. That's a quiet time lie. God's not listening. Well, then how are my prayers being answered? Now, you may not like this or agree with me. By the enemy. Look at the exploits of angels in the Bible. Look how one angel could destroy thousands and thousands, kill thousands of people physically with a sword. Slay them. God's in, you know this in the Bible, right? Physically this strong. You don't think an angel can maneuver uh, something at your workplace and bless you. And get, if all you need is a car or all you need is a job and all you need is a house to keep you in sin, disconnected from God Almighty, you don't think he can answer your prayers? Not all prayers. Oh, it's supernatural. It's just not divine. It's just not holy. When we ask in unbelief, or double-mindedness. It would say that Jesus did not many works there, mighty wonderful works there because of unbelief. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. Some of us are hearing no's, unanswered prayer, we call it, because we give it to God and then we worry. I trust you, I trust you, and then you worry, and then you lied. It's just double-mindedness. Well, I don't appreciate it that you worded it like that. Well, that's what it is. Double-mindedness means God will, God won't. God can, God can't. I don't know I can trust him. I can trust him. That double-mindedness. He said, let that person understand that they're not going to receive anything from me. So what do I do when those doubts come up? Confess them. Father, I'm doubting today, but I know that sin and I reject it and I cast down every vain thought that vaunts itself against the knowledge of you and your word. And I refuse to be double-minded. I don't understand, but I believe. When we attempt to manipulate the Holy Scriptures, he'll answer no. 
And that again, that's where the enemy comes in and he'll answer yes and provide those things for you. If all you need is earthly things, he can do that for you. When you use the scriptures, if in any part of it you're trying to get God to do something he seems hesitant to do, he's not the one answering. Early on in my ministry, when the Lord opened up an opportunity for me to go on the evangelistic field and travel. This is before internet, cell phone, electricity, all that stuff. As before all of it. I felt the Lord speak to my heart. He said, you can't call or write anybody. And an evangelist, what you used to have back then was a little flyer, a brochure. It would open up and have your picture slick. And then you'd have your recommendations from the superintendent and, and successful pastors. So at district council, you could hand it to people uh, you know, during meet the evangelist time and book your services. And I felt the Lord very clearly said, you're not allowed to call or write anybody. No promotion. You can make a business card. This is what I felt in my heart. And if someone asks you for it, you can hand it to them. Well, that ain't going to happen. How, how's somebody, you know how many people ask me for business cards in five years, like two? So how, how are these doors going to open? By my hand. No manipulation, John. Why is that important, John? Well, later on, I didn't know that I was going to pastor. Oh, and the other thing was, I was never able to uh, discuss money with the pastor before or after. Whatever they did was fine. Just whatever they did. So I get ready to pastor, and now I've got this faith that's been tempered with, we'll see. So I'll never have to worry about resources. I don't have to work anything to happen. And when it came time to have babies, in my heart, I was already okay. I told Kelly, we can't call or write nobody. We're just going to sit at home. The Lord gave me a promise. He said, you won't find your children. They'll find you. And they found us. No cause. It's not that the other way is wrong. I'm just telling you my path. No manipulation. The scriptures are to encourage you in your stand not to manipulate God in heaven. They're to encourage you in the earth not to manipulate God in heaven. We ask amiss to consume it upon our own lust, James 4, 1. If the primary, now none of us have pure motives, pure motives. But if the primary part of your request is you, that's your lust, your desires. Now, of course, God wants to provide the things for us that we need and some wants. But the overriding premise ought to be, if this brings you glory, if it honors you, if it's your will. He says no when what we're asking for is contrary to his revealed will in the scriptures. When it's contrary to his will for us individually. When what we're asking for diminishes his name, his people, or his glory. God answers no when he's already told us no before. Why is it we understand that with our children but not with God? I told you no. Mama, mama, mama. Or what they love to do is they get a no from mama and then they come find me. That's called manipulation. Manipulate to move. If God told you no, maybe if I keep asking, you know, like the, the widow that troubled the unjust judge and wore him out. And he said, I'm not getting up because your case is right. I'm getting up because you bothered me. And the scripture does not teach us that that's God, how God answers prayer. It shows us it's the opposite. Because the scripture says, hear what the unjust judge says. 
That's why the unjust judge got up. And I don't get up because you weary me. I get up because I recognize you. You see? My, I, phrases like bombard heaven. Think about that. Like you got to bomb it. It's so closed up. It's so tight. <laughs> you know, the, the floor is so thick of brass that you have to get all the prayer warriors and break through God's unwillingness. Do you see how distorted that is? How about let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I heard a preacher say one time he went to a conference and he was like the second or third speaker and the guy in front of him it was a faith conference and the guy in front of him preached, God never says no. <laughs> he said, the older I get, I'm sorry, it's just funny. I would just laugh. I'd have been on the stage doing the fat man laugh, you know, I just know better. And he said, he got up his turn. He said, oh, you've heard it said in this conference that God never says no. Well, if he don't, he'll say no, because he, he, he can do it. <laughs> and no yesterday is no today until he determines it's yes. I'm not discouraging you to pray. I'm discouraging you from trying to manipulate him. Let your request be made known unto God in absolute faith, nothing wavering, leaving the results to him. And I have found that some of God's no's are because of yesterday's yeses. God, have your perfect will in my life. Don't let me stray. Don't let me do anything that would keep me from bringing glory to Jesus Christ. And I want your best for me. Your plans, your purposes. Now watch. Here's the prayer. He says, yes. So now I make request A. No. Okay, B. No. Okay, there's a new job opening up. No. What is going on? Why all the no's? They weren't no's, John. They were a yes. The previous yes brought these no's because you asked to be in my will. And I'm the one that shuts these doors. So the no wasn't a no after all. It was primarily a yes. Brooke, if you would come, please. But there are times when God says no. And I've learned that it is his highest and best, highest and best, highest and best. How can a no be the best? Now, this is not a message on don't expect nothing from God. I'm expecting to be answered. In 2 Corinthians, here's what Paul said. Listen, listen carefully. If you miss this, you're just going to be discouraged not to pray. Okay? Listen to this. Unless I should be exalted above measure... Because of an abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that buffeted me so that I would not be exalted above measure. And I asked the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And God said, listen, and God said, so I asked the Lord, I have a messenger of Satan. Many commentators believe that a demon was commissioned to attack him, to keep him humble. Others 
think it was physical infirmity. It could have been both. So here's Paul who saw the resurrected Christ. Saw him with his own eyes. Was knocked off his donkey with a blinding light. Was discipled by Christ the Lord. And he said, Lord, I'm being brutally attacked by this messenger of Satan. Would you please remove this? And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Is that a yes or a no? I'm going to give you my highest and best, even though you didn't ask. My grace, I'm going to give you a grace here that's even better than a yes. And I can prove it to you. Paul said, since he told me that most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I am choosing to take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches. Didn't say he enjoyed them. I'm taking place. I'm finding the spiritual pleasure in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, and then I am strong. This was a no based on complete and perfect knowledge from a pure heart of perfect love. A no that will bring you into the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. A no that forever disqualifies you from a conditional faith and commitment to Christ. A no like this that experientially reveals to you the beauty, buoyancy, and sufficiency of grace. When God tells you no and you know you're going under and yet you don't go under. How, how does a parent bury their child? How, how, how do you bury a child and go on? You don't have that grace until you need that grace so most of the time is the child brought back to life no the parent gets a sufficient grace when the report comes back it's malignant how do you navigate that with sufficient grace how do you take the loss of your retirement? How do you take the loss of your health? How do you sustain life's greatest blows? How do you, how do you stay buoyant when hell has, has attached a demon that buffets you? Sufficient grace. A yes brings me into praise. Sufficient grace brings me into maturity and trust and you'll know both it's not one without the other it's both and finally listen to this a know that unlocks a limitless trust a supernatural strength and a divine clarity that's not easily swayed confused or weakened a know that's not of our choosing but of his a know that in the long run actually satisfies the soul and rings true that God can only be good. Without going in detail of something most of you all already know, I was talking with my wife this week about this. 
many, many years ago, I went through um, a life-altering relational difficulty. The loss of someone that, that I love, that loved me, and uh, that covenant was broken. Um, I've never prayed harder consistently purely for anything in my life yet there were variables there that involved the will of other people and uh, and first of all thank you for being the kind of woman I can share this with and you not thank you you know it was the worst Two groups, there's two groups of years in my life that were the worst, and it's in those two. If you would have put a, a lie detector test on the stage and said, are you going to make it? I would have answered no, and it would have said, John's telling the truth. I just could not see. I believe, but there wasn't capacity. There wasn't wherewithal. I felt like, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, I'm trying to be honest to you. I felt like my soul was bleeding out. I felt like I was, like how you dilute something so much that it no longer exists. The sorrow and the pain was so much. But in that sufficient grace, now, divorce is never God's will. There's a lot of things that are never God's will. But God is greater than a failure He's good at redos and start over. Anyway, having said all that, watch this. So instead of answering the prayer, he gave me sufficient grace until I saw the wife that was going to love me and that I could love and be a better man to. And we had three kids. Now, those of you that were mature will understand I'm not talking about that sick thing men say when they say I upgraded and all that 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 angers God don't even talk like that but had he said yes this is just where I live I'm sorry if this is hard for you to I would have never had Kelly Elisha Olivia and Isabel it's darker than I can ever tell you and it's greater than I can ever explain to you. His grace was sufficient. Y'all, y'all, you walk the whole path. It's sufficient. I, I can't make it, but I made it. Here's what I'm trying to preach to you today. Have faith in God. And let him pick. Let your request be made known. And let him pick. I close with this, my little boy. Y'all have seen a lot. You've only seen parts of his prayers. He'll, he'll break up the show at night and make us all cry. He'll say, God, I just give you all the Holy Spirit you need. You can have it all. You, can, you know, it's just, it's, it's just beautiful. So he's praying the other night, Katrina, and he says, just out of the blue, you know, we've been praying for the little brother. That's twice in this message that we've talked about the little brother. And he said, God, you know I want a little brother. And he said, he can be a little older. He can be a little younger. 
wait. He's seven. He said, well, you pick. Because I know you know what's best. And I'm going, I'm in my 50s before I get it. His request was a little brother. You can make him out of thin air. You can help John. You can have an adoption. You can do whatever you want to do. And that's fine. But you pick. You want me to have a little brother? Have one. The highest form of prayer is petition in faith in the name of Jesus with a common says, but you pick. If this message is right up your alley, we're going to close with a simple prayer, but you need to respond. I want you to come stand around this front. God knows the detail of what it's about. That unanswered prayer that we'll see, that gap. Some of us are struggling with unanswered prayer. I want you to just come stand around the front this morning. He knows. God knows. God knows. He's heard you. Will you let that go in your heart this morning? He heard you. I'm not ignoring you. And I give you sufficient grace. Oh, you don't think you can navigate it, but you can. You can walk it out. Look at this. Saints, would you mind doing this with me this morning? Those of you he's carried. Those of you that you know what I'm talking about. Come stand behind them. Those in the altar, just spread out. Girl with a girl, guy with a guy. Come stand with them. Come on. And just put your hand on their shoulder. I'm with you today. God's got this. God's got this. You can trust him. Believing for a yes. Trusting in the will see. And humble in the know. I need someone to come stand with this couple right here in the middle. Thank you. Thank you. There's two ladies on this side. Please come stand with them, someone. On this side. Thank you. Now, I'm not going to pray over you. I want you to do your own praying this morning. Just tell him. Lord, I've walked with you. I, I trust you. I trust you today. I trust you today, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you today. Let it be written in the court of heaven. I trust you today. As for me, I'm going to stand before the Lord and ask... But you pick, oh God. You pick, oh God. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord that made heaven and earth. My help cometh from the Lord. 
church family, would you stand with us? Right before Pastor Wade comes to dismiss in prayer, those in the altar, I want to I I bring this back around now. This message isn't about stop praying. Pray more. Request more. Stand in faith. Nothing wavering. Eyes focused on God. I'm coming, but here I am again. Nevertheless, you pick and you'll find health comes to your soul. How can you make a wrong pick? I would not swap my life today with any man I've ever met. Don't you feel sorry for me? I'm good. His grace has been There are many things in the scriptures sometimes it's hard for us to picture. We need a deeper understanding of them, don't we? David prayed out that the Lord sets before us a banquet in the presence of our enemies. Pastor John said, Where's my seat? You know, when grandma's fixing the turkey, we said, Where's the seat? Can we pray that? we finish that God where's my seat what have you chosen what 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 course have you set in front of me it says his grace is sufficient that in the time we need it it's there his peace that passes all understanding is there when we need it so Lord I pray God would you show me my seat where's my seat God I want to partake of everything that you set in front of me but God I want you to choose I want your provision. I want your portion. God, I want your promises. God, I don't want my heart to be filled with my pursuits, God, but I want your wisdom and your goodness poured into me that I may pursue the things that you care about. God, that you would change my heart to where it needs to be changed so that my chasing, my pursuits would be the things of you. And God, these vain pursuits that it's so easy to get caught up in, just be put aside. God, that our hearts would be purified today, that we would be pruned. God, that we would cry out with great expectation, Heavenly Father, where's my seat? How can I sit at your banqueting table? How can I sit and partake of your goodness and your mercy? So today we make that our prayer, Lord. Give us eyes to see your goodness. Give us hearts to worship and and rejoice in your goodness that we may respond with the hallelujah. We pray these things, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Can we just kind of, as we go back to our seats and get our stuff and leave, can we finish in that song that we started earlier, I will build my life upon your word. Yes, tonight at 6, uh, 6.30, we're going to be online with uh, Contending for the Faith. Sorry, I forgot the name of it. And also, um, after church, we're going to have our church picnic. Uh, if you'll just check for directions on the app, it's the easiest way for me to tell you. But if we can do this as we go, can we sing this chorus? I-